0: mm uh-huh. Well, hello, it's the technologically impaired, Father Simon, as all of you know. Until recently, I was still working with goose quill pens and carrier pigeons. All these buttons, it amazes me. Well, that's why I start the show with lots of prayer. So let's do that. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit. They shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. Lord, you taught the hearts of the nations by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us by that same Spirit that right judgment in all things, and evermore to rejoice in his comfort through Christ our Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou, amongst woman, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, amen. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you very much for listening. And now that you're listening, I will start talking. Let's open the. Yes, the big book on the coffee table. How did I know? The voice of mine just said, how did I know? Let's go to the first reading, Isaiah, the 29th chapter, the 17th verse to the 24th. You know, these are prophetic words. Lebanon shall be changed into an orchard, and the orchard be regarded as a forest. On that day, the deaf shall hear the words of a book out of gloom and dark. This is beautiful poetry. What it means precisely, well, uh, it means God's going to do good stuff. Now, again, I I don't want to go back to, Make you listen to the story about the Yemenites and the birds with the wings of silver, but you only really understand the fulfillment of a prophetic word, I believe, when it is fulfilled. So, uh, you know that that people are are. Uh, uh, for instance, this is this is another good good example. In uh, in in uh, uh, the six early 1600s, uh, there was a. a a uh, fellow who declared himself the the uh, Messiah in Europe. Uh, I, he was Shabbatai Tzvi, I think was his name. And so many Jews in Europe were so excited. The Messiah had come. They sold everything they had, got ready to go back to the Holy Land while Shabbatai Tzvi passed through in his Muslim area um, and was converted to Islam. And uh, this kind of disappointed everybody. But the... the uh, um, The uh, a student of one of uh, a rabbi ran into the rabbi's uh, studio, or not studio, his library, and he said, "Rabbi, the Messiah has come," referring to this fellow Shabbatite Tzvi. And the rabbi threw open the shutters of the window and said, "Nothing has changed." He had a point. Uh, He was expecting a certain God to fulfill his word in a certain and specific way. You know, in the Mass we say, not as the world gives peace do I give my peace to you. One of the messianic expectations is world peace, and there isn't world peace. Oh, yes, there is. For those who are in the Lord, there is peace. Uh, I mean, it takes a a bit of sanctity, more than I have, but to look at the world in all of its chaos and, and to be able to say, as that wonderful song says, uh, how can I keep from singing? It's a beautiful song uh, that um, amidst all the tumult and the strife, I hear a voice, it, it, uh, it ringeth, uh, it sounds an echo in my heart, songs in the night it giveth. It's a beautiful old song that that um, says that if you are in tune with God, these promises are fulfilled. But you can be sort of this literalistic uh, um, <laughs> person who's saying, "Well, God, you got to fulfill it the way I saw it. I saw it in a book. You know, street- mansions on a street of gold. I read it in a book when I was four. I saw a picture when I was four. That's what you got to do." I don't know. All I know, reading these words, is that that I'm going to look and say, "This is what he was talking about." Out of gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind shall see. Does that refer to someone who is physically blind or does it refer to me was blind but now I see, as the the song says? Uh, Jesus' miracles announced the Messianic age because in symbolic ways he fulfilled these prophecies. The the eyes of the blind saw and the poor rejoiced in the Holy One of Israel. And eminently true, in other words, the tyrant will be no more. the arrogant will have gone off, all who are alert to do evil will be cut off. Um, this is going to happen to everybody uh, sooner than later. You know, the great of the world think, well, I'm great. No, you're not. uh, You get, if you're lucky, you're going to get what I get at the end, six feet of dirt. I know that sounds a little grim, but I actually will get more because I believe that the Lord will raise me from the dead and that my soul will be with him. So. You know, you can be just... I, I look at the great of the time of Christ. You know, the people thought they were important. Pilate and Herod and uh, uh, Annas and Caiaphas. They would not even be thought of. They would be completely unremembered were it not for the carpenter from Nazareth whom they uh, tortured and, and murdered. Uh, he's the only reason they're at all remembered. They are not great. They had a brief moment of what they thought to be grandeur, and when they met the true greatness of God, they they were clueless. They couldn't see it. Just like that rabbi <laughs> who went to the window, he didn't see peace. Well, that's because Shabbatai Tzvi was not, in fact, the Messiah. But um, Jesus fulfills the messianic expectations. He did bring world peace. He rebuilt the temple. We're the temple made of living stones. Uh, he reestablished the, the, the throne of David. The eternal throne of David. Yes, a voice in my head, you want to ask a question?
1: I, I do have a question. So, Father, you this is live. You you know talk to a lot of um, Jews in your life, especially yes. living with them. What
0: is what is the argument that they make for why Jesus isn't the Messiah, uh, if, if, if all of these things have come true in Jesus? Well, they haven't. They look out the window, and like that rabbi, they see nothing has changed. They're looking in the wrong place, uh, but what they principally base their denial of Jesus on is uh, uh, the idea of the Trinity. They cannot fathom that God is not a solitude, but a solidarity, that God is perfect relationship. And that idea is so contrary to what they believe of God, and uh, you know they cannot understand how possibly a Trinity could be one God. And then they would refer to the list of messianic expectations of Maimonides um, that they firmly believe, Maimonides, who wrote in the, in the Middle Ages, he, I think he wrote, was he around 1100? Um, I'd have to look him up. But uh, he wrote a list of, of uh, messianic expectations. And they say, well, he doesn't fulfill those. One of the messianic expectations, he will absolutely obey the law. Well, Jesus did obey the law. Not only did he obey it, he fulfilled it. Um, The main, at the time of Christ, the three big messianic expectations were to purify and reestablish the temple, to uh, bring about world peace, and uh, to uh, restore the house of David. And we believe that in a spiritual way, he did all those things, um, and that will be evident at the end of time. Um, there are two in in Jewish thought. There are two messiahs. In the Talmud, they talk about Messiah son of Joseph, who prepares the way for the. He's the suffering servant, uh, who prepares the way for the glorious son of David, uh, uh, at the end of time. And we just think they're the same Jewish fellow, uh, but but uh, they they deny that Jesus was the Messiah because well he. He doesn't fit Maimonides' expectations, but he certainly fulfilled the expectations of his time. Another big one was to restore the manna in the wilderness, which he did through the Eucharist. Can you imagine planning a meal for a billion people every week? (laughs) Jesus managed to do it. So does that answer your question? It does. Thank you. Good. You're welcome. Well, let's go to the gospel uh, quickly here, the gospel. Okay, well, here we go. Jesus passed by. Two blind men followed him, crying out, Son of David, have pity on us. That's a Messianic title. So the blind men approached Jesus and said to them, Do you believe that I can do this? Now, again, I grind this axe constantly. We read that. We say, Are you of the opinion that I can do this? That's not what he's saying. Do you trust that I can do this? Do you trust me enough that I can do this? And say, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes and said, Let it be done according to your faith. Jesus never says, go your way, for I have healed you. He says, your faith has healed you. That's amazing that, that the Lord put so much responsibility in our hands. Uh, and then their eyes were open. Jesus warned them sternly, see that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the word of him through all that land. I'm going to talk about that as the word of the day. But I, I kind of want to do more, well, you know me, mass hysteria at the moment. I another th- I I need to grind that axe again. So dogs and cats living together, massastaria. There we go. Is oh, nice this, this reminds me so of a Willie Nelson song. All right. Yesterday, a woman called in, and I I wanna, you know, yesterday I kind of apologized for how vehement I had been about about people not ushers not guiding people to communion row by row. And I, I, had to step back a little from that because I, I don't want anyone to think that by doing what they've done for these many years and, and, uh, what they've been told to do by their pastor, that they are committing the sin of sacrilege. They most certainly are not. However, I think we need to start banding that word around a little more sacrilege, a sacrilege, a willing sacrilege against the, 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 the Holy Eucharist is, is a very serious sin. Um, but yesterday, a woman called in, and I really want to visit that again. Someone had a service dog in church. That's fine. You know, I, I, uh, if a dog is well-behaved and is there as a seeing-eye dog or a service dog, you know, that's fine. But the person broke the Eucharistic wafer that they received, the consecrated host, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ, and gave half to his dog. I'm almost stuck for words. If you see that happening, intervene. Well, it's embarrassing, Father. The priest should do it. We had in one of my parishes a cantor who was absolutely tone deaf, absolutely tone deaf. Her singing was, well, it could be labeled a crime against humanity. And people would come up and say, Father, you have to do something about her. And I said, have you talked to her? Well, no, I, I, I wouldn't. Well, why not? Well, that's not my job. It's your job. Why is it my job? I don't mind it. Meh. She's a horrible singer. Big deal. Um, I did mind it, really. But um, you see, the scripture is clear about confrontations. And I, I, I mean this. Um, um, uh, let me find the verse. It's Matthew 18, the 19th chapter. And Matthew eighteen nineteen, I tell you this, if two of you agree here on anything concerning, concerning anything you ask, the Father in heaven will do it for you, uh, if you agree, uh, which is a very rare thing. Uh, but then it goes on to say that, that um, uh, let me find the verse here, it goes on to say, uh, truly I tell you, Uh, well, no, if if, I'm sorry, it's the one ahead of term 15, if your brother or sister sins, go point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you have won them over, but if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven; whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And I don't know that that's directed toward the disciples. We we have a power in ourselves, and I'm not saying that we have the the individual believer has the power to absolve sins, but we have a power in ourselves to t- to bind someone or to give them freedom. And you know this idea that well, it's your job to tell them off, Father. No, it's not. It's my job after you talk to them. Well, why? That would be embarrassing. Yeah, it would be embarrassing. But you see, if they just hear it from me, well, they might obey. Uh, but on the other hand, we cease to be, uh, I think, fully the church when when we rely on, on the clergy for something that is, in fact, our responsibility. It's my responsibility in a loving and kind way Um. To talk to someone. You don't go up yelling. You speak the truth in love. You say, brother, I saw you give communion to that dog. You know, that's forbidden. Dogs can't receive communion. Thomas Aquinas said that. And it's considered a serious sacrilege. Well, I how dare you? This dog is my child. I'm sorry, but it's still a dog. And can't enter into that union with the Lord. And, well, I'm going to do what I want. Well, then... If you can find another person, fine. But at that point, I would go say to the priest, look, this guy is given communion to his dog. And if the priest does nothing about saying, oh, that's all right, I think that's fine. I'm a great dog lover. I'm a great dog lover too. I, I didn't like dogs until Father Brangham's dog, and she won me over. I'm a great dog person now. Well, if the, if the priest refuses to intervene at that point, after you've you've in a loving and kind way spoken to that person, if the priest refuses to intervene, then uh um, um I would take it to his superior, because that is an extremely serious thing. You know pick the hill you want to die on. Don't 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 Find fault with everything. That's that's not your job. The scripture says, "Don't be one who judges constantly." That's what the scripture says. You got to make judgments, but that being judgmental is not what we're supposed to do. But on the other hand, if we see something that is truly serious, um, then we have a duty to to step up because, well, we're we're the temple, as I said a little while ago, uh, made of living stones. So. Uh, you know, the, the liturgy is, is, it belongs to the whole people of God and throughout time and space. And um, I think we need to take good care of it. I, you know, let me look at the time. I was just, I was looking at the statistics of a diocese in a galaxy far away. And it claims on paper to have 2,100,000 plus people. In 2021, 214,000 went to Mass. One out of ten went to Mass. One out of ten went to Mass in this diocese. I read in Belgium, 2.5% of Belgian Catholics go to Mass. There's something terribly wrong. Now, I, I was in Central Texas, and I was just... So impressed by the, the enthusiastic participation, especially of young college students. And I, I found the church in Texas to be very vital. But in many other places, you got to admit that that it's not, there's something wrong. And I really believe one of the keynotes for me, one of the high notes of my visit to, to Texas uh was visiting the Adoration Chapel, and I was told, "Oh, there are not many people," and it seemed packed to me, all with young college students spending their lunch hour with the Lord. I, I was I was very moved by that. Um, that so there's there is life, there is vitality, but the bishops are talking about a Eucharistic revival, and we have got to put the genie back in the bottle, as they say. We can't put the genie back in the bottle. Well, we have to. Somehow we have to uh, reintroduce people to the magnificent gift that the Eucharist is. We have made it just kind of a commonplace. It is is, uh, disregarded by young people. Uh, Only, I think, 24% of Catholics believe that it is, in fact, the body, blood, soul, and uh, divinity of Christ. Uh, so I said that to someone, and they said, "No, Father, one hundred percent of Catholics believe that it's the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. In other words, if you don't believe it, you're not Catholic." Uh, I, I don't, you know. Maybe we just need to take a year and call everything off, everything, and just spend a year in in real prayer, novenas, holy hours, masses, saying, "Lord, what do you want us to do that we might?" witness to this culture which is dying i don't i don't know i don't know what to do but we got to do something because catholicism is evaporating in the united states it is not everywhere but in many places it is evaporating when you get one out of ten people going to mass on a sunday in one of the largest dioceses in the country that's a problem a problem well they're coming back now after covid I don't think they are. They've broken we've we've broken people of the habit of Sunday mass. Um, we need to we need to do some serious thinking, and not serious arguing, but serious thinking and praying about do we want to continue to witness to Christ in this country? I do. And I bet all of you who are listening do also. All right, well let's let's go to a break. I've gotten that off my chest.
1: Crazy. For my brother because he's doing a lot of crazy things. Bless
0: your soul. The Family Rosary across America.
1: And Joseph sends in a praise report. His brother and wife got divorced and then they remarried and now because of divine mercy they are both Catholic. Thanks, Peter. Woo! Do you need a miracle? The Family Rosary across America with Father Rocky, 7 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio. Underwriting by Christendom College, providing free principles classes taught by professors who make an oath of fidelity to the Catholic Church. People in our society today are hungering for the truth more than ever before. You can reach Souls for Christ by joining the Principles Society of Christendom College. And when you join the Principles Society, you get early access to new classes. Sign up today at getprinciples.com join. That's getprinciples.com join.
2: Support for relevant radio is provided by Creative Planning. Does your financial plan align with your Catholic values? I'm Deacon Frank Riley with Creative Planning. At Creative Planning, we can align your investing, charitable giving, and estate planning with your religious values. More info at creativeplanning.com forward slash Catholic Focus. That's creativeplanning.com forward slash Focus. Creative Planning's Catholic Focus offering strives to follow the guidelines set forth by the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. Please note that different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. There are no assurance that past performance will be indicative of future results.
1: As our world faces more anxiety, our souls long for peace and refuge. Find refuge on the peaceful grounds where our Blessed Mother appeared to Adele in 1859. The National Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help is the only approved Marian apparition site in the United States, offering year-round events and devotional opportunities for all pilgrims seeking spiritual help. Plan your trip today, championshrine.org. Proudly sponsoring great shrines across America. Information at relevantradio.com slash Gregory. Our sponsor, St. Gregory Recovery Center, focuses on recovery from addiction in mind, body, and spirit. The clinical approach focuses on faith-based habits to make better choices. St. Gregory Recovery Center's process is to help loved ones live a substance-free life. Information at relevantradio.com slash Gregory. That's relevantradio.com Gregory.
0: The poll found that only about half of voting Catholics believe in the real presence. Well, that's going to change, uh, and I'll tell you why. There's a huge effort by the nation's bishops right now to rekindle devotion to the Eucharist, to bring very forward this reality, the source and summit of our faith. If you just
1: visit your parish church one extra time a week, just for a few minutes to say hello to Jesus and the Holy Eucharist, that will be the beginning of this great revival which will help our church and help our country.
0: Bringing Christ to the world through the media. This is Relevant Radio.
1: Hi, this is Father Rocky. Leading up to December 8th, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, I'd like to invite you to join us in a special novena to the Blessed Mother to pray for your family. This prayer is taken from the Handbook of Prayers. Third day, Mary, the Handmaid of the Lord. Lord God, when your son came down from heaven, Mary had conceived him in her heart before she conceived him in her womb. Grant that by holy and just deeds, we may show forth in our lives the Christ whom we have received by faith and who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever.
3: Amen. For more information, tap the prayer tab, then devotions on the relevant radio app.
0: We receive hundreds of your phone calls every day thanks to the Catholic Order of Foresters studio line. Our sponsor offers flexible life insurance and annuities. Visit RelevantRadio.com Forrester today, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states.
1: Mama said there'll be days like this, there'll be days like this, Mama said, Mama said.
0: My mother would say things like, you know that I love you, now I'm going to annihilate you. We didn't know what annihilate meant, but we didn't want to find out. She never did. (laughs) Oh yeah, the voice in my head just asked about dancing. I was once waltzing with my mother at a a grand wedding, and she said, as I stepped on her toes, she said, Richard, you waltz abominably. (laughs) She's right. All right, moving though, I can do a mean... Well, no, I don't even do that anymore. (laughs) I'm getting too old for any kind of dancing there's a point at which old men fall over all right well let's let's move along 888-914-8 call in at 888-914-9149 and now let's do a few letters it's mama said there'd be days like this okay moving along here this is from claudine um Uh, I was talking about it's ridiculous to argue about these things. You know, I I think the world needs to understand what Jesus said uh, in John, the 17th chapter. They will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. And that last schmear I talked about confronting someone who's giving communion to their dog. um, Do it with a smile. Smile about that. I should be. No, you shouldn't be angry. You're not Christ. He had the right to be angry. You don't. Uh, you, You. saint paul says you speak the truth in love in other words you know brother i'm kind of worried i saw you give half of the host to your dog and and that's strictly forbidden where is that forbidden well it starts with thomas aquinas saying a dog cannot receive communion uh, it's it's wrong it's a serious sacrilege if you don't think i'm right go talk to the pastor about it all right uh, but do it with a smile and with concern. I'm just worried about you. And, and, and I, I don't want you to, 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 um, to, to have difficulty spiritually. You know, you can say hard things with a smile. Well, uh, um, no, we don't argue about these things. And Claudine says, the reason it's worth arguing about is because the Bible is truth. Claudine, read the Bible. The Bible doesn't say it's truth. The Bible says something else about truth. The Bible is, is a glorious library that, written by the Holy Spirit that, that catalogues and, and details the relationship of humanity and God throughout a, a period of a couple thousand years and more. So we can argue about the facts of the Bible, and I believe the Bible is a very factual book, even those things that don't seem terribly factual to the modern reader, but the The Bible doesn't claim to be truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. He didn't say, I'll tell you the truth. I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. For us, the truth is a person, and the Bible leads us to him. It enhances our relationship with him. But Jesus and the way he lived is the truth. So, Claudine, do read the Bible. It's a wonderful book. All right, moving along. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, oh, this is from Anna, uh, um, and she, she's talking about... Uh, I, the other day we had the reading about uh, the house built on sand, and I talked about how it's if you have a religion of convenience, you build your house down there in the valley where the grass is still green, and you don't have to climb the hills all the time with your sheep. Um, but she she brought up that Hans Urs von Balthasar, Cardinal Hans Urs von Balthasar, the great theologian, uh, said that... that um, uh, the sand is our ego. <laughs> uh, um, I, when I was talking about the Psalms and, and smiting our enemies, my own worst enemy is myself. It, it kind of reminded her of that. But that's interesting that, that Hans Urs from Balthasar talks about the uh, uh, building the house on sand, building it on our own ego. Cardinal George once said that he who uh, um, designs his own religion Uh, soon finds that he's worshiping himself i thought that was a good one okay let's see here now this one is is a couple weeks old from louise in minneapolis my seventeen year old came home from youth group saying he learned that there are higher and lower levels in heaven and the rewards are greater the higher a soul is he asked me if this is true and why would it matter he thinks that we were taught to encourage them to do more and be even better but since in heaven there's no envy or regret what does the level matter Um, you know, they talk about this, but the best way I've heard it described is that, uh, that on earth and in purgatory, we develop the capacity to love and be loved. You know, uh, the glass will be full, but I want a larger glass. I want more of God. That's what it is. It isn't neener, neener. I have a higher place in heaven than you. You're up in the cheap seats that's not the way heaven works, that he's absolutely right. Your 17-year-old, I think, is rather profound. um, When he said, there's no regret uh, nor envy in heaven, there certainly isn't. But to long to know more about God, to long to be more filled with God's love. In that sense, I think there is uh, a a greater and a lesser, even in heaven. But uh, it isn't a matter of competition. It's It's a matter of of love, and uh, the, the person who has the greatest heart would long for everyone to have a heart even greater than his or hers. You see, you know, it's it's like art. A great artist uh, uh, looks at art, as someone else's creation, says, "That's really beautiful." The small-minded artist says, "Well, it's not that good. I could do better." You know, when a true artist appreciates the beauty of art, his own or someone else's. Uh, and and that's kind of the idea of the greater reward, that if I if I am a, a a soul who has remained small, I will not be able to appreciate as much of the beauty of heaven as someone who will rejoice that I am in a higher position. Uh, you're right though that there's no competition, no envy, no regret in heaven. So I think that's uh, uh, a very, very important thing. So I, I hope that answers the question. Let me just, uh, I want to put this in here. Okay, now let's move on. What time is it? I think I got time for another letter. Um. Hold on, let me make sure I'm doing this right. Okay, you know, it's buttons. Oh, it could, do call in, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. And... The colonel of truth, the deacon, John O'Leary of the Archdiocese of Chicago, who is in fact a Kentucky colonel. This is an honorific given by the governor of Kentucky. He is a Kentucky colonel, which is why I call him the colonel of truth. Um, And he found the text that I was looking for in the screw tape letters. Um, it's in the fifth book or the fifth letter of the screw tape Letters. I know that the enemy disapproves of many of these causes, but that is where he is so unfair. He often makes prizes of humans who have given their lives for causes he thinks bad on the monstrously sophistical ground. He doesn't call him the goddess a sophist. He says a monstrous, monstrously sophistical ground that the humans thought them good and were following the best they knew book 5 so i've already communicated that to joe but thank you thank you deacon o'leary the colonel of the reverend colonel o'leary the colonel of truth so uh there you go uh let's see here i have another one that i want to do here really really quickly oh and also i wanted to thank uh, jim the physicist because he found it too uh, in letter 5 uh so jim the physicist God bless you. Thank you. Uh, I've got a weak spot for physicists. They're so smart. All right, let's see here. I, can we do one more? I think we can do one. Have we got, Let me look. Uh, uh, oh, this is kind of a long one about ushers. Um, we'll we'll talk about that in, in another Master Series segment. Right now, let's go to a break. We will come back with a word of the day. And a fascinating word of the day, I think. And we will open, the the phones are open at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Got lots of phones open. Roe versus Wade is behind us, but many states still allow the killing of the unborn. Join Relevant Radio as we continue to
1: pray for an end to abortion in America and commit to supporting moms and their babies. Add your prayers to the tally by clicking on the Memorari Meter at RelevantRadio.com.
3: Hi everyone, this is Bishop Jerry Vinky of the Diocese of Salina in Kansas. Let us pray. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to Thy protection, implored Thy help, or sought Thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired with this confidence, I fly to Thee, O Virgin, of Virgins, my Mother. To Thee do I come. Before Thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother, the Word Incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in Thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. The University of Mary our friend and sponsor
1: offers online and in person classes faithful to the Church's magisterium in areas of business, healthcare, education, the liberal arts, and more.
0: Deeply grounded in the Catholic intellectual tradition, each program will bring questions of morality and ethics into conversations pertinent to your career and vocation.
1: Learn more at Catholicprofessional.life. That's Catholicprofessional.life.
2: Support for relevant radio is provided by Creative Planning. Does your financial plan align with your Catholic values? I'm Deacon Frank Riley with Creative Planning. At Creative Planning, we can align your investing, charitable giving, and estate planning with your religious values. More info at creativeplanning.com forward slash Focused. That's creativeplanning.com
0: forward slash Focused.
2: Creative Planning's Catholic Focus offering strives to follow the guidelines set forth by the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. Please note that different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. There is no assurance that past performance will be indicative of future results.
3: Thank you, Drew, for putting me on. It's a supreme honor to be able to talk to the great Dr. Kangor. <laughs> you are truly an American hero in that you are God's MAGA man. What do I mean MAGA? <laughs> Make America godly again. I like it. And- Real Faith, Real Talk, The Drew Mariani Show
1: on Relevant Radio.
0: You go all right let us go to the word of the day this is one of the most fascinating words of the day it appears five times in the new testament and it is a word that well it just i don't like it and you're not gonna like it so we'll have fun with it there let it be done according to your faith their eyes were opened and jesus warned them sternly i think that's really funny see that no one knows about this well first of all why did Jesus work a miracle and then say, oh, hello. Why did Jesus work a miracle and say, don't tell anyone about it? Well, he worked a miracle and said, don't tell anyone about it. That's called the messianic secret that, that everybody said, I'm the Messiah. And, um, that, uh, people would go home and get a sword, kill a Roman soldier and the streets would run with blood. Jesus said regularly, if that's what you're looking for, I'm not your man. Um, uh, that, that, that. He did this out of compassion. Jesus really, really focused on the person. He wasn't trying to build up a following. He was trying to, to, to build, uh, he was trying to evoke faith, evoke trust in people, to make believers of people. So his miracles were not done for show, they were done to speak to the person. So that's the messianic secret, but that's not the cool part of this reading. He warned them sternly. That word in Greek is and let me read the usage. I snort with the notion of coercion, spring out displeasure, anger, indignation, antagonism. To express indignant displeasure with someone. Uh, then it, it, it properly is to snort like an angry horse. To snort with rage. Good and gentle Jesus. We see this in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus uh. uh uh, became very angry at the and said to the leper, now go show yourself to the priest. This should be a sign for them. I believe that in that passage, in the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, that that leper had been put up as what we call a shill, someone who to debunk Jesus, or a shill is someone at, at a, a, a snake oil, um, uh, you know, when someone is... is uh, selling snake oil, say, I'll buy five bottles of it. That's a shill. Someone, a plant in the crowd. Well, uh, Jesus was furious at the, at the misuse of this poor leper. And the really the really good one here uh, is in the Gospel of John. Uh, it says he groaned in spirit, or he was deeply moved in spirit uh, um, when he saw uh, uh, Mary weeping. And uh, when he saw the Jews weeping, having come with her, he was deeply moved. Oh how nice, That's not the word Embrimesato. He was he was he became angry when he saw the Jews weeping, he became angry in spirit and and he was uh, he was, the word is uh, he, 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 he was upset. He was agitated. This is people weeping for John because they were crocodile tears, I suppose. So we see this word uh, in a number of places in the scripture. Matthew and Mark. um, uh, The idea that Jesus could become angry, it doesn't fit our our, our idea of good and gentle Jesus. Um, Our God has an anger in him and I don't dare get angry because I'm not God but sometimes the Lord is genuinely angry and I look at our society and the things that we're doing the mutilation of children in the name of of uh, of of, um, of gender the, the the murder of children the 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 denigration of, of marriage I worry that, we are angering the Holy Spirit. But nah, that's just a pleasant thing. Let's go to phones after that pleasant exchange. Okay.
3: The sin is ringing.
0: Oh, well, I noticed. And Guy is on it. Guy from Ham Lake, Minnesota. Love the title of the lake. What can I do for you, Guy?
2: Hello, Father. I wanted to comment on um, the lack of belief by Catholics in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. I um, contrast two parishes. In the parish I grew up in, my parents were Catholic. My father was a former Capuchin. But they made the mistake of expecting catechism class to be the primary area where I'd learn the faith. Oops. Consequently, I was actually ripe for pickings by a Baptist youth group.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And the first question I ever asked the Baptist pastor was, and I was dead serious, what's the difference between Jesus and Zeus? and I wasn't lying or kidding about it. Yeah. Contrast that with the parish that I'm in now. I came back to the church about 30 years ago after going mm-hmm. to Baptist College and theology yeah. classes and everything. And our pastor here, our founding pastor taught our taught all of us parents. He say your job is to teach your kids the faith, not my job. My job is to teach Amen. you how to do your job.
0: Amen. We developed the first communion program when I was at St. Lambert's, in which we we the first communion program was a homeschool program, and we also had confession mm-hmm. class. So we covered the material in a classroom, but we people would say, "When is my kid getting ready for for, for first communion?" We said, "When you prepared him," and at first they were very upset by that. We're we're. You know, we didn't charge any money, so they couldn't say, well, what are we paying you for? <laughs> we didn't charge. You're pay- not paying me. Uh, um, and and, and uh, after a little while, they all loved it. Uh, they, they just loved this program because they were remembering things that they learned as kids. So, yeah, I, I just think that's one of the things we need to do. We need to stop having First Communion classes, have confession classes, but don't have First Communion classes. It's the parents' responsibility. Well, what they're yep. not going to do that. Well, if they're not going to do it, then they must not really want their kids to receive First Holy Communion. I, I think that's a great point. I think that's a great point, Guy. And uh, um, uh, that's that's where religion happens. I learned my faith from my parents. I learned facts of the faith from, from the school I went to. It was a good school. But the faith to know Christ I learned from my parents. Well, thank you. God bless you and hang in there. And... Uh, uh, You know, kids will believe what their parents believe. I'm doing my best considering the ravages of age. God bless you. All right. Thanks so much. Take care. Amen. Let's go to Rocco from New York. Rocco, are you with us?
2: Yes, I am, Father. Thank you for taking my call. The reason why I'm calling, I would like everyone to pray for Father Bala Ituri. He's an Indian priest that came to blessed sacrament and manhattan mm-hmm. i known him for 15 years but uh he has cancer mm-hmm. and it's spread to his uh, bone marrow he's intubated uh-huh. and he's on dialysis and uh um i just i'm praying for a miracle that's well, why I want let's to pray do for
0: that me. now lord you can hear this as well as as we can i ask you to bless this priest and and hear rocco and me and the nation praying for this priest give him we need him and give him real peace and we'd ask you if it's your holy will to heal him in jesus name i will be praying for him rocco that's 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 stuff how old is he
3: he's like in his 50s
0: a child i'm your child i can't even remember 50 he's got a lot of good years ahead of him we'll be praying for him rocco god bless you and god bless your concern for him amen thanks for calling Let's go to Jane, who's calling in from, uh, 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 is it Sartell, Minnesota. What can I do for you, Jane?
3: Oh, Father uh, Father uh, Simon, I am preparing um, for the gospel reading for this coming Sunday mm-hmm. yeah. in Matthew. And so my question, um, as I was doing Lectio Divina, which I'm trying to perfect, um, yeah. it come to me, How does John the Baptist know the Holy Spirit? How does he been able to identify it by name? Um, Because I thought, is there some other part in the Old Testament? You know, we know that God was Yahweh. um, But it it, it just kind of caught me where in that verse, I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit in fire. And that's where I thought, how does he know the Holy Spirit?
0: There there was uh, there was a very very uh, there's a very um, repeated discussion of the Holy Spirit. What he might not have known was that the Holy Spirit is a person of the Trinity. But the Jews talked about the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, the 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 Holy Spirit. That that I don't know if it's a good theological definition, but uh, uh, a good a practical definition of the Holy Spirit is the presence of God. That God, you know, in a funny kind of way, the Holy Spirit is the first person of the Holy Trinity that you meet. You go into a church and you feel that, that there's just somebody there. It's, it's you know, that, that that just a sense of the, a presence of, of somebody. I've known people who are going to a Catholic church and run out fast because it's frightening. There's somebody in there. That's the Holy Spirit. Uh, The the sensed presence of God. Now, that's not a good theological definition. The Holy Spirit is a person, third person of the Trinity. But the way the Holy Spirit speaks is by that presence. You see, it's a breath. If you go into a darkened room and you hear this, you realize somebody's in there and you get out fast, That, that the Holy Spirit speaks by breathing primarily. And we sense that person. The Holy Spirit introduces us to Jesus in the tabernacle. Uh, and then jesus brings us to the father so the first person that you meet the first person of the trinity that you meet even if you don't know by name what's going on that first person that you meet i'm not talking about learn about you know we have this this intellectual knowledge but when you have this personal intimate knowledge as you know a person the first person of the trinity you meet is the holy spirit the breath of god so so john would certainly have have thought of the holy spirit as the anointing they called it in in the old testament they called it the uh, shekinah s-c-h-i-c-h-i-n-a-h the shekinah means to dwell and the, 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 the tabernacle is called the Mishkan, the dwelling place, that when the cloud descended on, on, the, on, on, on the tent of meeting, uh, there was this overwhelming presence of the Holy Spirit so thick that you couldn't, you couldn't get in. Uh, so, so that's an Old Testament thing. And what John is saying, he will baptize you in this pillar of fire, this pillar of cloud, which is the dwelling presence of God. Does that answer your question?
3: Oh, it certainly
2: does. Oh, I thank you so much.
0: Well there you go. Hey. Blessings on your tribe. May all your questions be so easily answered. All right. Let us go to Okay, oh, hey, thank th- you. Thanks for calling in. And remember my motto, what I don't know, I can always make up. Let us go now to Kurt. Oh, by the way, let me we we have plenty of lines open. 888 914 9149 888 Nine one four nine one four nine. Let's go to Kurt, who's calling Hello. from Northern Minnesota. Kurt, what can I do for you?
3: Hello, Father. Uh, yes. The other day you were talking oh, Michigan. about Michigan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Michigan. Yep. You were talking about uh, God allowing difficulty into our lives, you know, for His purposes, and not to treat Him like a, you know, a big sugar daddy in the sky. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree. I agree with what you were saying, and I, and I can understand that. Um, but uh, my daughter who's be turning five this month she was just diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and although you know she's she has to get like four or five insulin injections a day you know mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. she's doing good and everything but uh, when we're saying our prayers at night she's I ask her you know what what do you want to pray for and she says well I pray that my sickness goes away you know and mm-hmm. so I just wondered if you had any thoughts about you know talking to young kids about um you know, uh, God allowing difficulty or, or, you know, not answering prayers the yeah. way you she,
0: she sure If she asks, why is this happening to me? The answer that she, I would give as a parent would be because we love you so much and this gives us a chance to love you even more. You can count on us. We're here for you because God sent us. God sent you to us and God sent us to you. That's why. We're going to love you even more because of this. That's what I would tell her. And that's, I think, the truth, that every difficulty right. is an opportunity to love more profoundly. I don't like them. I would change it. I would make it all easy, but I'm not God. The position is already taken, <laughs> So, but that's what I would do. And I will certainly be praying for your daughter. I, I, uh, um, a dear friend of mine, I'll never forget when uh, they had quite a number of children, and the, the last one uh, uh, uh was born with cystic fibrosis and what will we do well it has worked out beautifully it's been a great challenge but that kid is wonderful and devout uh and the joy of the life of her parents and um as are all the other kids in the family so you know we get something and we forget that that um that God really is in charge. I, I always think he's not, that I'm in charge. And you say, well, you're in charge. So that's the best I can tell you. I hope that helps a little.
3: Yeah. yeah. Um, I know it, it's kind of a, a separate question, but um, my wife's kind of agnostic. She's not really mm-hmm. sure that, you not know, sure. God exists or not. But, you know, uh, I worry that, you know, when stuff like this happens, like, you know, she... That she would blame God or whatever—not sure. that she said anything to me about it recently—but
0: uh, well, of course, she thoughts? can blame God. Nothing happens but that touches us, uh, touches us for the hand of God. Nothing touches us but uh, without at least the permission of a father who loves us. She's free to blame God, but what I would say is, what are you blaming God for? For this beautiful daughter, for this wonderful joy we have in caring for her and for the love we have for one another, you know, and as for, you know, if, if she says, I don't, I don't believe there, there is a God, you say, that's all right, he believes in you, and you don't have to believe in God, you don't have to be of the opinion, that there's a God, just talk to him regularly, well, I'm not, ta- I'm talking to thin air, well, then talk to thin air regularly, talk to God, you talk to God, and you'll know that he's, that he's real, don't think about it, talk to him, because he, he, he listens, and Surprisingly, he'll talk. Uh, If a person talks to God, they become believers pretty quick. So I wouldn't try to convince her there's a God. When she says, I don't know, why would God do this? If God is loving, say, why are you asking me? Ask him. (laughs) That's what I would do. Why are you asking me? I'm not God. Ask him. Well, I don't believe he exists. Well, then you're not going to get any answers. Ask him. Maybe he doesn't exist. Maybe he does. Ask him. That's what I would say. I hope that helps a little.
3: All right. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, it's,
0: it's, yeah and and hold fast your faith the faith of a, of the father of a family is is so important and so rewarding so god bless you for that yeah all right thanks for yeah. calling in Kurt. god bless let's go to john who's calling in from chicago are you with us john hi father so the caller before the uh the lady talking about the, the spirit in in churches
2: uh so going to the old Testament when. I forget which one of the prophets was in the cave and. Uh, oh yes, of course, of the Elijah.
0: Is, in the book, Elijah, book, of Kings, is, is yeah, the Books the of the Kings. Spirit? Yeah. Yes, yes. The the still small voice. Yes, the the gentle wind. That's the Holy Spirit. It's a breath. Uh, uh, that's what the word means. So there you go. Good insight. Thanks for calling in, John. Let's go to Chuck real quickly. He's calling in from Naperville. I think I can get another one more. Hi, call, Father Chuck. Simon. Good. What Hello. can I do uh, for you? Quick yes. question.
1: I'm looking for a book recommendation on Old Testament prophecies that are realized through Jesus.
0: Oh, gosh. I don't know. Let me ask around. That's a tough question for the last one of the day. But I will look around and see if I can get my mitts on, on at least a recommendation. Uh, the uh, biblical fulfillment the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Um, I'm pretty sure there are such things. All right, well, thanks for calling in and thanks everyone for listening. And don't go anywhere because Drew is coming up and uh, he's going to talk to God. <laughs> he does on a regular basis, I've seen him do it.